the hard shoulder on News Talk with the all-new Nissan Juke, the coupe crossover by Nissan. Nissan, innovation that excites. Good evening, it's News Talk, the hard shoulder, it's Mark Hagney. Now, every Tuesday around this time, we go on the coach with a health expert, and this evening we're joined by Emma Cashman, who is a consultant ENT, ear, nose and throat specialist, actually surgeon, uh, in Emma's case, at the uh, Beacon Hospital. And we've got uh, two for the price of one in terms of our topics, tinnitus and sinusitis. Emma, thank you very much for joining us. Because we've got so much to get through, straight into it, what is tinnitus? So tinnitus, uh, Mark, is the medical term for ringing in the ear, and I suppose it can be defined as the conscious awareness of sound in the absence of external stimulus. Um, and I think it's important to say that tinnitus is rarely a presentation of a serious underlying medical condition. Okay, now uh, it's the it's noise in the absence of any external factors, which means Correct. you're in a completely quiet room, there's no music, there's no noise, you can't hear anything from outside, it should be quiet as a graveyard, but you can still hear noise. So therefore yeah. it's coming from inside you. Exactly. And whilst most patients will describe a ringing sensation, there's a variety of different kinds really that patients can experience, from buzzing, hissing, dial tones, static, um, silence, and some patients will even feel like the sound of crickets in their ears. And in about 3% of patients, you get this unusual phenomenon of pulsatile tinnitus, where the tinnitus is actually synchronous with their heartbeat. Oh, OK. Right. Well, we'll get to the, the different types now very shortly. Is it common? Very common. So about 10 to 15% of the population suffer from tinnitus, but actually about 80% of us um, will experience what we call a temporary or a transient tinnitus at some point during our lives. And that's defined as a tinnitus lasting less than five minutes. And so a typical scenario here would be you've been out to a nightclub, you've been to a concert, or you've been operating heavy machinery, and you get a strange phantom auditory sound uh, the following day. Okay, well, I mean, many of us have been to a gig and had our ears yeah. ring for, you know, 24 hours afterwards. Yeah, that exactly. is a, a sort of temporary tinnitus, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's really, the one that we're probably kind of really talking about are the chronic tinnitus. So that's defined as tinnitus um, lasting longer than six months. Now, I think it's important to say that the majority of patients actually have very mild symptoms, but there's about 3% of the population where tinnitus actually has a significant impact on their health-related quality of life. It would just be chronic tinnitus, where it, it's a very subjective um, um, symptom. So, you know, as I said, some patients will have a mild tinnitus and it's intermittent, but some patients will have this persistent noise. Would those um, patients be people who are in, say, a very noisy um, atmosphere all the time? I, the reason I ask that question is, is that I have a, an, an awful lot of friends who are musicians and they suffer yeah. from it. But Absolutely. You're kind of touching on how we classify it. So it's basically primary or secondary. And the primary one can be idiopathic, and that basically means we don't have a clue what's causing it, or um, it can be attributable to a hearing loss. And definitely there's occupational hazards here. So far more likely to get tinnitus, as you say, Mark, in, in musicians or people who you know, are, are um, exposed to loud noise a lot of the time. And I suppose um, people who are involved in construction work, agriculture, forestry, heavy machinery mm. um, are all far more predisposed to developing tinnitus. Well, uh, yeah, anybody who's ever had a relative or, or family who have worked in factories for, you know, noisy yeah, factories basically. for a long time, uh, particularly yeah. in the older generations, as they get older, hearing becomes a problem and you kind of well, think... Uh, that, yeah, well, but then they also talk about this buzzing, constant buzzing in the ears. Now, yeah. by the way, does it come with, with ageing as well? Yes, age in and of itself is a very significant risk factor. So actually... 70% of cases of severe intractable tinnitus is observed in those over the age of 60. And I suppose that's probably because we just get this, as we age, we get wear and tear on the hair cells in the inner ear that are, are involved in sound transmission. So I suppose it makes sense that tinnitus just becomes more noticeable as it's not masked by external signs. 
Okay. Uh, speaking of, of yeah, I suppose, uh, noise pollution, uh, obviously uh, the last 10 years in particular, but, you know, for over the last 15 to 20 years, uh, headphones, headphone music played at, yeah. at horrendous volume. Uh, and, you know, as somebody in this business who has to wear headphones for a living, um, I know the difference between headphones, you know, that are, you know, proper headphones with uh, ear covering and there's a distance between yeah. the sound and your ear and then earbuds. And right. when they're so loud that people beside you can hear hear them yeah. at, at very high toppy frequencies as well, they have to be doing damage, don't they? They absolutely do. And, you know, we all know that we, we know that noise induced hearing loss is a major cause um, of tinnitus. So again, you know, kind of going back to basics, ear defenders really are advocated over about 85 decibels. So let's say we're having this conversation, it's about 60 decibels. And obviously depending on the duration of exposure, but once they go into that sort of level of about 105, 110 decibels, mm-hmm. even a few minutes of exposure can cause lasting and permanent damage. Now, with respect to, to headphones and earphones, that's a really commonly asked question. And we often get kind of a, you know, a very concerned mum or dad and they're, you know, they've got a disgruntled teenager who's, you know, perpetually hooked up to ear phones in an effort maybe to drown out the family. Um, but we would usually advocate the use of maybe over-the-ear headphones. Yeah. And the reason is, is because the in-the-ear buds, and this is if you're a frequent user, as you're saying you are, um, they actually amplify sound by another 5 to 10 decibels. Well, look, the rule of, basic rule of thumb is you shouldn't be sticking anything into your ear and having a lot of noise coming out of it. Very high noise, absolutely. Okay. Yes, now, th- can I talk about pulsatile uh, tinnitus? Um, this is yes. where uh, um, th- what you're hearing in your head is linked yes. rhythmically to your blood flow. And it, yes. this now, can this be a sign where, of, um, of of high blood pressure or a thing well, called glue. it can glue. be, yes. There's, there's a lot of, like we would call, you know, we say in terms of the causes of tinnitus, what we call secondary causes. And these can be just very briefly, um, because this is common, but otological causes are those pertaining to the ear. So these are things like really common wax, maybe a perforated eardrum, um, otitis externa, which is a sort of dermatitis in the in the ear canal that affects about 10% of the population. These can all contribute to tinnitus. Um, and then we have the non-otological causes. Um, and these are things like, I suppose there's an exhaustive list really, but they're rarer things like ototoxicity or certain medications. There's about 150 medications. I suppose chief amongst them would be, would be um, aspirin. Um, and certain antibiotics. But with respect to things like pulsatile tinnitus, that's rarer. Um, and we usually, if you do have pulsatile tinnitus, well, it's not something to be to be really concerned about. We usually organize a non-urgent MRI scan because sometimes this can be associated with what we call vascular anomalies, benign vascular anomalies of the middle ear. Okay. Um, there is no cure for it, but it can be managed. Uh, so, I mean, easy. there's no, there, yeah, you're quite correct. There's no one-stop shop. There's no definitive treatment in terms of, um, you know, there's no medication or tablet that we can give you or no surgical intervention. You touched on it, it tends to be worse in silent um, or quiet rooms. So patients often will say, look, the symptoms are worse at night. So in the vast majority of patients who are experiencing mild symptoms, something very simply like avoiding silence. And I think a good analogy here would be like a candle in a dark room is very hard to ignore. But if we introduce other visual stimuli, by just simply turning on a light switch, it suddenly becomes less noticeable. And it's the same really with noise. If we introduce more auditory stimuli, like pleasant non-invasive music or simply an open window, that can decrease the awareness to tinnitus. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the sinuses now. They, yes. uh, I don't know whether many people know this or not. We actually have four pairs of uh, sinuses in, in our heads. Uh, there's two behind our foreheads. They're the frontal ones. Two on either side of the bridge of our nose. Two behind Perfect. our eyes. And two, be, uh, two behind your cheekbones. The reason I know this, by the way, is I know it from, yeah. uh, uh, from speech and drama because there, oh, there are ca- cavities there which you are, what you try to learn how to use in terms of projecting voice and stuff. 
Well, they have a really, we've kind of covered all the basics for me, but um, yeah, they're very important actually in vocal resonance, you're quite correct. Um, and they have other, lots of other functions. Um, mm. They lighten the weight of the skull, for example, and they have this kind of immunoprotective role. And I suppose the sinuses, people ask, well, what is sinusitis? Well, it connects, the sinuses connect to the nose and the respiratory system as part of this lovely complex system of airflow and drainage. Um, and I suppose sometimes this, this system just gets blocked. Now, there are two kinds. There's acute and chronic. And acute is the one that most of us would get at some stage or another. Yeah, so again, sinusitis is a really common disease entity. It affects about one in eight people. It constitutes about 2% of presentations to GPs. It's actually one of the top five reasons for which uh, the GPs will actually um, prescribe an antibiotic. Now, the acute, you're quite right. We're all going to get acute. And coming into the autumn and the winter, winter months now, GPs are going to see lots of acute sinusitis. Acute sinusitis is defined as lasting less than four weeks. And chronic, then, is over three months. And there's sort of a grey area in between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're listening to News Talk. Uh, it's the hard shoulder with Mark Cagney and my guest on the coach this evening is uh, Emma Cashman who's a consultant ENT surgeon at uh, Beacon Hospital. We've been talking about tinnitus, we're now talking about sinusitis which I suppose most of us will get some touch of at some stage during the course of the year. There's yeah. two kinds, acute. Now on to chronic. This is where the symptoms last for more than 12 weeks. So, yep. Explain uh, what the causes of this are. Well, the causes, um, so basically, I suppose, as ENT specialists, the chronic are the types that we see. And these are patients who've had, you know, for symptoms for at least three months. And in many cases, it's been going on for years and years. So the cause is, is a huge allergic component here. So it's estimated about 30 to 50% of patients um, with sinusitis will have an associated allergy. So something like allergic rhinitis, which is a, condi- a very common condition in the community, inflammation of the nose secondary to an antigen or a trigger like house dust, microbes, or pollen. Um, I suppose environmental causes, things like smoking, working in a dry, dusty environment. And if you live in a kind of a busy um, city centre, you're far more likely, in a kind of a heavily populated environment, you're far more likely to suffer from sinusitis. And then systemic diseases, things like asthma, have an higher incidence. And some people are just anatomically predisposed. So they have something like a deviated nasal septum, which is where the cartilage in the middle part of your nose is pushed to one side. And this can exacerbate the symptoms of sinusitis. I I, I know, having spoken to other ENTs before, that that, uh, sinusitis can be really hard to shift. Now, is that because of where it is and the fact that it's surrounded by bone? Basically, so, you know, your your cardinal symptoms here are going to be your blocked nose in about 90% of patients, your facial pain and pressure in about 70%. You get this post-nasal drip or thick mucus around the back of the nose in the front of the nose and I do sorry I do I am aware that this is a tea time slot so apologies for essentially talking about snot it's not the most pleasant uh, topic of conversation but what we what we see in chronic sinusitis is you know three patients with maximum medical therapy so that's steroid sprays with or without an antihistamine if there's concomitant allergy rinses but in about 20% of patients they're going to be refractory to medical treatment they'll have recalcitrant disease um, and this is the kind of difficult group that you're, you're mentioning here. Um, and these are the patients really we're going to sit down with and, and discuss the option of surgery. OK, listen, Emma, we, I, could, I could talk to you for another hour about yeah. this. Unfortunately, time has caught <laughs> okay. over me. For the time yeah. being, we've, we've given kind of a, a ladybird introduction to uh, tinnitus yeah. and sinusitis. Yeah. It, obviously, it goes without saying, if you feel that any of what we've discussed today is affecting you or that you're suffering from it, go and see your GP straight away. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That's Emma Cashman. Thanks indeed, Mark. Not at all. Good evening to you. That's Emma Cashman, consultant ENT surgeon uh, at uh, Beacon Hospital. And uh, thank you to her for joining us here on News Talk. Well, that's our lot uh, for today's edition of The Hard Shoulder. My thanks to the production team, Ashley Moore, Dan Flanagan, Roisin Davis, Julia Tirano and Sonia Totti. Michael Quilligan and Paul Murnock were on sound. Off the ball is up next. I'll be back tomorrow from four here on News Talk. Good night. 